Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for this day is from 1 Samuel, chapter 3. The young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. When Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man, therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that is spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me that you have been told. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. 
The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a, is a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the first chapter. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, <clears throat> in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, For Philip called you. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of our Lord. you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Yep, I'm wandering. <laughs> I was so excited to see that we could have had a guest preacher here as Pastor Thompson and his family's visiting, but for some reason he's going to stay in the pew. I don't know. We have some words, uh, words that to me are a treasure, words that we speak at a horrible time of life. Words that we speak as we're committing a body into a grave. We have a blessing. May God the Father who created this body, God the Son who redeemed this body by shedding His blood on the cross, and God the Holy Spirit who made this body His temple in the waters of holy baptism, keep this body until the day of the resurrection of all flesh. In those words at the end of life, we recognize the truth of what Paul has spoken to the Corinthians today. We recognize that we are not our own. We did not create ourselves, but we're graciously knit together in the, our mother's womb by the act of our creating God. 
We, were not, we do not redeem ourselves or save ourselves, but it is an act of Christ. And this thing is so much more than just a physical body. It's called a temple. And not in the South Beach, temple, this is a temple. But a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who we are by God's creation, redemption, and occupation impacts not just our death, but it is meant to impact our entire life. We have a wonderful gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, but it's a gift that's not meant to be abused, even as our bodies are not meant to be abused. As we read through the first letter to the Corinthians, one of the things that we can note is how almost identical our cultures are. Our cultures uh, then and our culture now revel in freedom. In fact, when the Corinthians heard the good news of salvation in Jesus, the good news of freedom from the law, they took it as an opportunity to rejoice in those freedoms. And they went too far because they forgot whose they actually were. They felt that they were their own, that their bodies belonged to them, that they could do with their bodies exactly what they wanted to do. And so we encounter in the Corinthian setting some really amazing things. Already Paul has dealt with the fact that somebody in the church is sleeping with his mother-in-law. And the Corinthians are like, wow, look at the freedom we have in Jesus. And Paul's like, wow, even the pagans don't do something like that. He's dealt with lawsuits, Christians uh, uh, filing lawsuits against each other instead of trying to look to reconcile, trying to use courts to get advantages. And now he's sort of dealing with the basis of it all. What, what, where does this come from? And apparently there's this phrase going among the Corinthians. Paul opens it. It looks like he's quoting it in order to counter it. All things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want. Because I have this freedom in Jesus. Right? But Paul says, no. You've totally missed it. All things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Again, another quote, it seems, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. To which Paul says, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. In their freedom, the Corinthians were being sexually immoral. They were doing things that God said should not be done. Now, one of the things mentioned here specifically in this context is that of prostitution. Now, in the Corinthian culture, prostitution was not only a legal activity, it was actually an activity that, well, everybody thought was just fine morally. In fact, they did take it one step further. They actually had temple prostitutes. 
So yes, going and engaging a temple prostitute's service was actually an act of worship in which the Corinthians appear to be engaging. And Paul says, it may be lawful. You might have that attitude, but it's certainly not helpful. You may have some freedoms, but not everything is going to be good for you. And when your freedoms enslave you, then you understand you are no longer free. And Paul then, as the Holy Spirit guides him, works with the Corinthians to try to bring them to a a new understanding of this freedom that we do have in Christ. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the members of prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We do have a glorious freedom from the law, and especially from the burden of perfection under the law. But we do not have a freedom to do whatever we please then. It's sort of like when, when Paul is writing to the, to the Romans, and uh, he's sort of getting to a summary point where he just glories in the fact that God loves to forgive and, and, and covers our transgressions. And then he, he says, and literally we just had, I was talking with somebody about this, it literally, in, in Romans 6, he says, we shall sin all the more, so God's grace can increase. It's like, oh, sounds good, right? Two great things that go great together. I like the sin, happen to be pretty good at it. God likes to forgive. Let's make God happy. He can forgive me a lot. And we know it's not exactly what Paul says, because then he says in three negatives. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And a similar thing here. It's to recognize that something actually has happened to us in our creation, redemption, and in our sanctification. We have been united to Christ already. We are no longer under our own control, but we are guided by the Lord. Now, Paul, again, he's talking specifically in this case, addressing issues of sexual immorality, especially in this case, the issues of prostitution. But it's interesting that Paul doesn't say, well, I have a revelation from God. But how does he define sexual immorality? He does so by going back to exactly what God said. God gave us this this wonderful gift of our human sexuality, but he said this is how it's to be used. Two become one, first in the bond of marriage and then physically. And by the way, the use of our sexuality is real no matter how we feel about it. Whomever we are sexually united with, we become one flesh. Even it's a prostitute who you have decided to use and walk away. You become one flesh. And this isn't right. Why? Because we've already been joined to the Lord. When did that happen? Well, Paul hits at it again at the end of our verse. 
but it happens in the waters of holy baptism. We are united to Jesus Christ in a very real and physical way. We are united, again, as Paul would say to the Romans, we are united to him in the waters of holy baptism. We are actually put into his death and raised to life with him. And again, Paul would say elsewhere, the life we live, we now live to the Lord. We have been united to Christ. And that is to impact everything we do with our body. Not just sexual things, but so many others as well. Because we can often identify sin as being joined to something else. How many fights break out over stuff because we're so tightly bound to the stuff that we wouldn't ever want to let go? There's a way we can say we've been joined to that stuff instead of Jesus. When have we been united to Jesus? We're united to him every time we receive his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. We are not our own. We've been bought at a price. We're called to glorify God. And that's how this little section wraps up. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. In American culture, our bodies are primarily a shell we become very Gnostic in our philosophy. The body is a physical thing. What's really important is the inward stuff, the spiritual stuff. And so we have the phrase, well, I'm spiritual but not religious, which means I'll think once in a while about things that I think are spiritual, but there is no way you're going to get my body to some place like a church because it's just the body. What does it matter? Well, it matters everything. Because we are not some dual entity that's looking forward to the time of getting rid of the body and just living as pure spirit beings. Paul's already addressed this. We're so united to Jesus that he brings up the resurrection. God raised the Lord. God raised Jesus. And he's going to raise us. So what we do with our bodies is important. What we do with our bodies is very important in our day-to-day life and choices that we're making. But what we do with our body is also very important when we bring our bodies here. When we recognize that we have joined ourselves to other things and we realize that we have essentially given up our relationship to Jesus in doing that? When we recognize our sin, what we do with our body to glorify God is so important. Because what we do with it is we bring it here. And we acknowledge that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and by my actions. I'm really not worthy to have this union with Christ. And yet, we do this to hear the good news. He still loves us. 
He still has paid the price. He still has washed us, cleansed us, united himself to us, and continues to bring us his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy to strengthen us so that we can again live our lives united to Christ and not to other stuff. We commit bodies to the ground, remembering the triune nature of who we are, created by God, redeemed by Christ, and made a temple by the Holy Spirit. But we don't want to leave it at the end of life. We want to rejoice in the good news of forgiveness and the freedom we do have in Jesus Christ. And we do that by glorifying God with our bodies. Following what God says is right, not what our culture says is right, because boy, those are becoming very different things. And we rejoice each and every time that we put our bodies here, and especially today again in this service, as we have an opportunity to receive our salvation. May God strengthen us by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, that we may glorify Him in our bodies at all times. Amen. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds and your bodies in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.